Welcome to Invited In, a podcast that connects the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and Happy New Year. I hope that you had a wonderful Christmas and enjoyed time with friends and family uh, celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, And that is why Samaritan's Purse, that is why we go to hard places, is to uh, tell people about the love of Jesus, um, the, the love of God, the fact that He sent His Son, Jesus, to earth. Uh, to live a life and die uh, for our sins and to rescue us. Um, and so that is why our all of our staff goes to the ends of the earth uh, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of our staff members that go are from the Disaster Assistance Response Team. They are uh, members that live all over the world, <laughs> literally. They have normal day jobs, but when a disaster happens and they're called from the roster, um, they pack up and leave their friends and family to serve uh, for several weeks. Uh, many are medical, but some are logisticians, water and sanitation and hygiene, There are so many different people that represent our disaster assistance response team uh, roster. And today, we're going to share one with you. I love talking to our DART members. Uh, They're incredible. They're so selfless, and they truly run into the fire uh, because they're compelled by the gospel. And one person that is so fabulous, uh, she has served on several DARTs, uh, is Regina She served more than 15 times with our disaster assistance response team with Samaritan's Purse. And most recently, she served at the hospital as the director of our emergency field hospital in Ukraine. Uh, This hospital was roughly 60 miles from active fighting. Uh, I love the way that Regina is using her medical background to help hurting people. But more importantly, she's motivated by the love of Jesus. One of our podcast correspondents, Stephen, he, he was able to go to re- Ukraine recently, and he talked to her while they were at the hospital. Um, I love how she shares that, g- that God led her, that her husband, he, they both serve in crisis response work. And so you'll be able to hear her heart and what compels her to serve. When you got the call and were asked to kind of step into this role, really, when it comes to anything clinical, make or break, you're the decision maker. And so when you got that call to do this job, what went through your head? Uh, actually, not just through my head. I spoke the words uh, to the person that called me that I just really did not feel adequate to do that this job in this setting. Why is that? because I didn't. (laughs) Um, This is a very dangerous setting. Um, And when you are towards the top of leadership, you are responsible. Mm. You're responsible for the patients. You're responsible for everyone in your facility. You're responsible for your teammates. And when you think about the, the dangers that we are in here, that is a lot of responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you said that, you let me know that the person who had called and asked for you to step into this role had a really interesting response. Can you share what that was? Uh, She said, well, Regina, um, if you thought that you were adequate for it, you probably wouldn't be the right person for the role. Love that. I love that. Well, Regina, for what it's worth, I'd follow you into battle. And in a lot of ways, I have a couple of different times now. (laughs) Yes, you have. I'm not sure that's smart on your part, Stephen. (laughs) I feel like I'm in good hands. Um, yeah, God's. Yes, yes. Uh, um, Regina, can you tell me a little bit about your background um, and how you got involved with serving with Samaritan's Purse? Um, well, I'm an ER nurse, 
And I've been, I felt God was calling me into disaster relief a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And God has been working in my life for a long time to bring me here. But actually, how I got involved with Samaritan's Purse is a little bit of a long story, but it's a very good story. Um, I was in Haiti after the earthquake with another organization. And I was thinking at that time that I really wanted to get into disaster relief, you know, boots on the ground within two or three days. And I um, <clears throat> was, like I said, I was with another organization. And while I was there, I asked the people of Haiti, I was doing my own little survey, um, if they could tell me one organization that they felt had really um, benefited their people the most since the earthquake, who would it be? And they said, hands down, Samaritan's Purse. Wow. And not only that, I saw a lot of uh, SP people and blue tarp all over the place. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, well, maybe this is the organization I need to get hooked up with. When I went home, I got online, uh, found their website. Uh, actually, another part of the story is I rode down to the airport or to, to go to the airport on a, um, a public bus. And I happened to sit next to an SP person. Wow. I wish that I had gotten their name and remembered who it was, but I don't. And anyway, they were telling me about SP and who they were. And he said, so when you get home, they t- he told me about the DART um, pl- program. And he said, go home and get online and apply. And I said, okay. So I went home and I um, got online and I found the DART, uh, found SP, found the DART thing and got on and applied. I didn't hear anything. This is probably not the good part. I didn't hear anything back from them. And two or three months later, I kind of reached out to them again. Still didn't hear anything. So I said, well, okay, maybe it's not God's timing. Um, fast forward five years. I'm back in Haiti. Uh, and during this period of time, when I first started going out, my husband was not the least bit interested in missions of any kind. Certainly not going out of the country. Really? Nope, not at all. And... Um, Five years later, my husband's beginning to get interested, and we go with another organization back to Haiti. So we're there doing mobile medical, and on our airplane ride home, he said to me, you know, I like this, I enjoyed this, but I feel like that because you're an ER nurse and I'm a paramedic, that we would be uniquely qualified to do um, disaster relief. I think we probably ought to look into that avenue, and I said, well... Um, you know, I did try with Samaritan's Purse a long time ago. I said, maybe we should look into that. And he said, yeah, I think that's a really good idea. Well, first of all, that's a, that's a major confirmation for me that we're moving in the right direction because yeah. he's never wanted to do this before. When we got home, you know, you go through all your mail and your emails and all that. No joke. We had an email. I had an email from Samaritan's Purse. No way. Five years later. Hey, we see that sometime in the past you were interested in our DART program. We're wondering if you're still interested. Sure, <laughs> I know. So um, I told him about it. I said, you're not going to believe this. He said, really? And I said, yeah. Um, so we called him, took training in October of 2015 and started going out in 2016. Wow. That's so wild to hear. I mean, like you said, God's timing is, it's perfect. And really, that's what we have to wait on. We might have this grand idea and plan for ourselves. But think about it. If you had been called five years prior and Mark, your husband, was not in a place to to get up and get moving like that, might not have worked out that well for you. You know, you would have put Mark's needs and your family's needs first. 
Um, but now Mark deploys all the time with mm -hmm. you. Actually, my first Dart experience in Italy, Mark was one of the first guys I worked with mm -hmm. and loved it. Mm -hmm. and he's great at this too and really called to this. Yep. It's amazing. If you will just let God work it out. Mm. Stop trying to make it happen in your way and in your time. Mm. Um, God will work it out in His way and His time. And really, if you try to do it your own way, you're probably just going to mess it up. So fair. <laughs> No, for me, that's fair. I've messed lots of things up <laughs> by trying to do it either my way or my time. Yeah, man. Uh, well, Regina, you know, since then, that was 2016. Is that what you said? Okay. So since then, how many times have you deployed with Samaritan's Purse? And can you tell me a couple of the places you've responded in? Um, it's either 15 or 16 deployments. I can't remember how many. Wow. Um, I went to Ecuador. I've been to uh, Iraq. Um, Bangladesh, Dominica, DRC, Lenore, North Carolina, um, Italy. Uh, those are the ones I can think of right off the bat. Wow. Wow. And, you know, each response is really unique. God calls us to go. We pack our bags. We might have some human expectation of what we'll find when we get there, but we never really know at the end of the day. And that's just reinforced every single time you go out and serve. Um, this deployment has been interesting in all kinds of ways and different in all kinds of ways. Um, for those, you know, this is going to air way after the fact, way after we're gone and we've left this place for security reasons. We want to keep everyone safe. Um, for those who listen back and don't know that we were here during this time, can you share what this response has looked like, some of the challenges that we face, some of the risks that we face, um, but also the type of services that we're providing to people? Um so we've actually set up an emergency field hospital, and we are here to be hospital because their hospital has been basically destroyed. Um, some of the building is, is still functioning, but the main part, their ER, their OR, uh, the front of the hospital is just gone. Um, actually, their entire city uh, half of it is destroyed. Um, so we are actually filling in for their hospital until they can get up and running. So we're, we're just like any other hospital. We have an emergency room. We have, uh, like a outpatient clinic. We have lab, pharmacy. We do x-ray and we have surgery. So we're doing, um, everyday ER stuff. Plus we're also doing surgeries. Mm -hmm. And we've been open since October 3rd, mm -hmm. I believe, is our opening date Correct. for this hospital. Mm -hmm. um, and today is November 18th, apparently. We don't have phones. <laughs> we don't have computers. No way to really get the news or anything. Um, but today is November 18th. And in just a little over a month, can you share with me a rough estimate of how many patients we've treated here on this site? We have treated 20, I think 2,900 patients. Wow. Total, and we've done approximately, I think, 65 or 70 surgeries. We've had somewhere around 100 inpatients. We see anywhere from 40 to 100 patients, outpatients a day. Wow. So those numbers right there, I mean, they just go to show the need is so severe in this part of the world. There's no infrastructure, and every person that comes through the clinic doors downstairs you see it on their face. You see need. You see, obviously, physical need, whether they're coming in limping or coughing. But you see so much more than that. You see a spiritual need. Um, I was wondering if you could kind of explain a little bit of both of those, maybe some of the physical needs that we've been working to meet, but also to some of the stories of spiritual struggle that you've seen. We're all people. Life is messy and hard for all of us. First of all, they have no in 
infrastructure left. Um, they have no heat. They have no roofs over their homes. They don't have running water. They have very little access to food. They have no access to health care. Um, so they are dealing with everyday life, trying to feed their families, along with the trauma that they have been through. There's not one person that we've come in contact with here that has not told us stories about what they went through, either during the occupation because they stayed or because they left, and now they've come back to find basically nothing left. Mm -hmm. There's nothing left of their home. There's nothing left of their town. So they are all, um, they're very, they're, they're stoic, but they're very, um, traumatized mm. by what they've been through. When some will tell their stories, uh, some want to tell their stories, some don't tell their stories. Some are very, we, we actually have a translator here that our other translators that know her tell us that she was not like she is now before the war, mm -hmm. and she stayed through the occupation. Nobody really knows what she went through while she was here, but now she is very, very stoic. She's very flat affect. You can't really get her to smile. She's somebody that I've really tried to warm up to. I speak to her every day. I touch her on the shoulder. And in the last two or three days, she's begun to smile just a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I have no idea what she went through. Mm. Can't begin to imagine. Um, but she is beginning to warm up to us now. So I'm very happy about that. And the patients, they're just, uh, they're just glad. They're grateful. So grateful that there's someone here to help them. They, are, this lady, um, I was walking by the pharmacy the other day and this little lady, elderly lady, she came up to me and she started hugging me and mm. she kissed me. And, but I couldn't understand what she was saying. So I grabbed one of the translators and she, I said, what is she saying? She just, she said, she's saying, you are like gold. You're like gold to us. You have come to help us and we are so grateful. I didn't know her. She didn't know me. I'm sure I'll never see her again, but she gave me a big hug and a kiss on the cheek and it just really touched my heart. Wow. Wow. I mean, those moments, it's so rewarding because it makes the frustrations, the hiccups, the spiritual warfare that we face every day on deployment all worth it. When we see a little old lady come up who is in dire need before she got here and tell you, you're like gold. And we know that gold that she's seeing, it's not of us. It's not of Regina Randolph. It's not of Stephen Sneed. It's Christ shining through us. And it has nothing to do with us other than the fact that we said, yes, I'll go. I'll go and I'll do this for you, Lord. Um, and it's a privilege. It's an honor and it's surreal. God teaches us all kinds of lessons when we serve Him faithfully and when we step out in obedience. I was wondering if you could share some of the lessons He's taught you over the years of serving in this way, um, or even just on this deployment specifically, or anything that comes to mind while being here. What kind of things is God speaking to you about? Um, well, one of the things that he always brings to mind when I'm on deployment is about the unity of the body of Christ and how powerful we are as the body and not divided and not separated. If we will remain unified with each other, we can do so much for him and in this world. Um, but probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned, you and I were talking about it the other day, was what re grace really looks like. And it was when I was in Iraq, and I was treating um, a small child who had um, many injuries. Um, she was in a firefight over in Mosul, um, and 
she was in severe, um, a severe situation. I won't give any details about her, um, her injuries, but she was in the bed next to an ISIS soldier. And I remember walking into the room and after I had known that, I walked back into the room and I was looking at both of them and I became very angry. Uh, it very much frustrated me that I had to take care of someone who was potentially responsible for what that little girl was suffering, plus many others, many others. We treated so many children. Mm-hmm. But I walked away from it, and I was angry for a couple of days. And me and a friend of mine, Barb Rash, we talked about it a lot, talked about what we were going through and dealing with in our own, in our own hearts. But we decided, and one day I just woke up, one morning I woke up, and God was speaking to me, you know, not in that audible <laughs> voice, but uh, he wanted me to treat the ISIS soldiers, just like I would treat the little girl, because he loved them the same. He loved them both the same. It was very hard for me at the time to accept that, but I told God I would. I said, I will. I said, I don't want to, but I will. And in just a few days, my heart really changed. My heart changed for the ISIS soldier and all the rest of them. I realized that the reason why they were doing what they were doing was because they had been hurt or damaged or they were mislead, misled. They didn't understand. They didn't know about Jesus, and they needed to know about Jesus. And the only way I was going to be able to teach them about Jesus was to show them, mm-hmm. and to show them through my actions mm-hmm. that He loved them. I needed to show them that He loved them. So I'll never forget that's what grace is all about. And God wanted me to see that. And I'll never forget that. I, I see people differently now. I, I genuinely say, I don't always 100% of the time, but I genuinely see people as someone that Christ really loves, just like He loves me. And I need to treat them like He would. Mm, that's good. You know, we were talking and you shared, we've seen nearly 3,000 patients in a month and a half, if that just here at this facility, not including the other places in Ukraine that I know you've already served at. And eventually those those people, if you're not careful, can look like numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's rush this patient in. Let's get their antibiotics. Let's get them stitched up and on their way. But it really is a moment and a ministry to sit there and look at someone and know that they're seen for who they are um, and not just what what happened to them or not just what circumstances they may find themselves in. Um, we really get to encounter people at their absolute most vulnerable place. And, you know, my job and one of my responsibilities here is to try to to hear the story, to hear what God is doing in and through our staff and in the lives of our patients. Um, And I'm always amazed, even in a culture and during a war where people might be more tense, um, more reserved and closed off to speaking, they come into our facility and it just seems like the floodgates open. And you and I talked about that a little bit yesterday. And as an ER nurse, you have a really interesting perspective on that. I was wondering if you could share that with me. Um, yes, I, I've been an ER nurse for 27 years. And I realized pretty early in my career that crisis is something that makes people very vulnerable. But because they're vulnerable, they're open. They are looking for help. They want help. So I have found myself many times in the ER able to speak to people about Jesus and his love for them because of the crisis situation that they are in. And when I 
started thinking about doing disaster relief, I realized that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate crisis. That's the ultimate opportunity to be able to show people Christ. You know, I I want to give them medicine. I, I want to help them. I want to heal their pain. I want to do all that. But I want them to know about Jesus. I am here, in, and I've gone to every country I've gone to. It's about helping people know Christ. And if you go in the middle of a crisis, you're going to find people that are open in ways that they'll never be open again. Um, and that's the time to speak to them because they're looking. They're looking for somebody to help them with their pain. And that's when you can really speak to them about Jesus. And that's when they're open to receive it. They'll take it. Mm-hmm. And when they won't take it at any other time, you know, pride's gone, selfishness is gone. Uh, all the thoughts that they can handle their own problems and deal, they, they know they can't. Mm-hmm. They now know they can't because they're in this situation that has just basically overtaken them. So that is the time that you speak to them. And that can always if you just look at it, if they are in crisis, even when you're at home, if it's somebody that's in crisis, they're they're open. And so I just try to see that as an opportunity. Listen to God when God's speaking to me and speak into that. It's good. It's good. You know, I know for myself, I was saved from a lot. And I don't know your testimony, but I know that God has saved all of us through Christ from a lot. Um Life is messy across the board, and it's no different here, even in a foreign country from our own, in a war zone. Here we have a unique opportunity to speak into that messiness. Um, For people who maybe are struggling with their own mess right now, who maybe know Jesus but haven't been walking with Him recently, or maybe who've never taken that step to know Him, what would you share with them about how it's worth it? I know that everything I know about you screams, he's worth it. And you've seen it all. You've seen, you've treated ISIS soldiers. You're here in Ukraine during one of Europe's largest wars since World War II. And we're still here serving in his name because we know it's worth it. Um, how could you share that with someone? What would you want them to know if they're having a hard time coming to faith? I think that I would just want them to understand that no matter what you've been through, because in my life, I've been through a lot. I had an alcoholic father. Um, I was in a really severe car accident when I was 17, and I've dealt with pain every day of my life since then. Um, been through a couple of divorces. Actually, my parents were divorced. I've had a, I've had cancer. Um, I had a son who was in drugs, uh, nephews that were in drugs. Um, I've been through some pretty difficult situations, and every single time, if I would lean on the Lord and if I would turn to God, I'm not saying that it, I'm not saying that he took those things away. I'm saying he made, now looking back on those things, he made them worth it because he has allowed me to heal to the point where I can now use that to speak to people that are in those very same situations. Now, it's painful in the beginning, but He's walked me through it. He's comforted me. He's never left me alone. And when you get to the other side of it, I mean, completely to the other side of it, you can look back on that. And I can honestly say this. I can look back on every one of those tragic events in my life, and I can say I would not take it back Mm. because I know when it, when I started down that path, I was going down the wrong path, and I and I didn't even see I was going down the wrong path. I was headed for destruction in my own life, and without His intervention and allowing some of those difficult things to happen, I am sure that my life would have been destroyed. 
Actually, I don't think I'd be here. I think I would not be alive, and I certainly would not be here serving. So I can say that if you, if you, if you want to be able to get through the situation yourself, but you want to be able to use it someday, Jesus will help you do that. He will always help you do that, and it will ne- it it will always happen. It it may take time, and you do have to be willing to lay down your own thoughts, your own desires, what you want, when you want it, and you just have to say it's all up to you, God. But He is always faithful. He's always been faithful. He's brought me through all those difficult things and many others that I didn't mention. And when I've gotten past it, I look back and I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing me to go there. Because if I hadn't have gone there, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't feel the love that you have. I wouldn't be uh, being able to reach out to help other people. It is my greatest desire for the rest of my life to do what I can do to help people. But helping people means helping them find Christ. Mm-hmm. That's all there is. That's all that's going to matter. One day we're all going to stand before God, and that is all that's going to matter. That's right. Yeah. Oh, Regina, I could talk to you for hours, but I won't do that to you. You have plenty oh, to do around here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But one last question, something that I'm trying to ask everybody. We all the time say, oh, I'll be praying for you, or oh, how can I pray for you? Um, You know, I know that we here at Samaritan's Purse, um, we believe in the power of prayer. Not that it's just something kind and nice to say, but that when we pray, God hears us, and He intervenes, and He changes our circumstances. I was going to ask you, how have you seen God answer prayers in your life over the past year? You know, 2022 is coming to a close we're here in Ukraine, a place I didn't even know existed four months ago, and we're here and we're serving. And I wanted to see what how he's been answering your prayers this year. Um, well, actually, the fact that I'm here is an answer to prayer. Now, I've, I've deployed multiple times, but um, there's been some things that have happened in my personal life over the last couple of months um, that made me really concerned about uh, the fact or the potential of going or not going again. And um, so because he allowed me to come once again, um, one of the things that my husband told me right before I got ready to leave, he said, Regina, he said, think about this and treat this as if it may be the last time you get to go. May be the last time you get to go. And I, um, I love doing this because I love Christ. And because I know that when you go into situations like this, there's no greater time, no better time to help people understand who He is. And when I get to the end of my life and I stand before Him, I'm going to know that that's the only thing that's going to matter, what I did to help people know Him. Um, so just the, just the fact that He would be willing to allow me to continue to do this is an answer to a lifelong prayer. And the fact that he allows my husband and I to do it together is a lifelong prayer. I started praying for someone to serve God with from a very young child. And here I am in the latter part of my life getting to do exactly what I wanted to do since I was a child. So, I I mean, that right there is just a huge, I mean, it's a lifelong prayer. And he's answered it, and he's answered it over and over and over again. And he has allowed me to do what I love. This is hard, don't get me wrong. 
It's hard. It's hard mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It's hard on all levels, but I absolutely love it. And I am so blessed that he allows me to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Love you, Regina. Thank love you. Love I just love hearing from our DART members, especially in the midst of conflict, um, in the midst of a tiring and busy schedule. I love hearing her heart and the way that she processes what she's seeing and, and how God's working in her life. And I love how Regina shared that God uh, used unexpected paths and He led her um, to this calling. And, and I love her one of her quotes. I love a lot of what she says. But when she says, I'm so blessed that He allows me to keep doing it. She loves serving again and again and again and wants to keep serving as long as she's able. And, and it reminded me, you know, God, He doesn't need us. Uh, but he allows us to be a part of his kingdom work. Um, and he chooses to use our gifts and talents and abilities uh, to to serve and share the gospel and, and bring him glory. And uh, he definitely led Regina to this. It truly takes, as I said, unique person to be able to run into the fire, handle the chaos and the pressure of a response, especially in a medical setting. Um, and so I just want you to be encouraged, uh, whether you feel called to to respond on a dart, or maybe your spouse serves on darts or or travels with work. We just wanted you to be able to hear the heart of people that are on the front lines. Um, But you're all a part of this vital role. Again, some go and some um, send, and they're both equally important. You know, people couldn't be sent without a family uh, back home loving and praying and supporting them in their calling. So, Everyone um, that's a part of this ministry, our donors, our prayer warriors, our uh, spouses, um, everybody back here at International Headquarters, and then people around the world, um, this couldn't happen. People like Regina couldn't be on the front lines without Minnie back home uh, loving and sending her on. So thank you for, for being a part of this vital work, and I hope that you are encouraged to hear from Regina. Please continue to pray for our disaster assistance response team members that are serving all over the world uh, as we speak. Uh, they are sacrificing so much. Uh, pray for their protection and, and spiritual uh, especially, God, that he would continue to speak to them and lead them and give them wisdom as they respond. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you are encouraged and look forward to bringing you more episodes in the coming weeks. God bless you.